This is Josie Brown with Author Provocateur. Today I'll be talking with Abby Rhodes, who writes dangerously dark romances, like her Fatal Dream series. Welcome, Abby. Now, from what I understand, each book in the series starts with in a different time, a different place. <laughs> well, uh, the first book in the Fatal Dream series, Race of Darkness, does feature Xander, and I call her Isling. Ah, and- and it's funny because I just always called her that and other people would pronounce it different ways. And my editor called her Eileen. Ooh. And, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, you know, if that's how you want to call her. And I guess they like freaked out when they got the audio back and the audio guy called her Isleen, just like I did. And they were all, oh gosh, it should be Eileen. And I'm like, no, it's Isleen. That's good. <laughs> so Xander and Isleen are in the first book. They're the couple featured there. In the second book, which is Hunt the Dawn, it's about Lathan and Ebony. And Xander and Isleen show up um, just a little bit, not much. And not even enough that you would need to have read Race of Darkness to know who they are. So they just make a little appearance. But the second book is about um, Lathan and Ebony. More than gender and Isleen. <laughs> right. But now, so the theme throughout, um, I, I know you're now on your third book, correct? Yeah. The third book is Saving Mercy. And it's a, the first book in a new series, which is very confusing. <laughs> so. So will that also be, so that'll be not part of your Fatal Dream series? Correct. It's part of the Fatal Truth series. Ah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a completely different uh, world. It's still like the dark romantic suspense, dark romantic thriller with a little paranormal in it. It still has that. It just doesn't have anything in common with the The other two other books. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. Okay. So um, tell us a little bit about the book that you'll be bringing with you to uh, the Barbara Vey Reader appreciation weekend or what you'll be showcasing there. I know you'll probably have all your books, but yeah. you know, I'm sure there's one that you're going to be saying, Oh, this is my new baby. And you know, here's, here's why I want you to read it. Um, I'll probably be bringing saving mercy since it'll be the newest book out, even though it'll be out a year by the time Barbara Vey comes around. Right. Um, Cause the next book coming out doesn't come out until next December. So it's a year from now. So that's kind of far away. So I'll probably be showcasing Saving Mercy. And Saving Mercy is about the son of a serial killer. Yeah, who falls in love with his father's only surviving victim. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And there's the added little twist that he looks pretty similar to his father. Oh. Yeah. And so it's like there's there's some conflict there. (laughs) Right, right. I mean... I, I'm, I'm sure because, you know, the book, you know, is out and Mm -hmm. will be out by the time you see readers, there's going to be a lot of, uh, shivers and, you know, and, oh my God, how does she, how does she compensate for that? Is she also in love? Is she mesmerized? Is she drawn to him? You know, you've heard of, I guess it's uh, Stockholm syndrome where, Uh you know, you have your, your captor and you quote unquote fall in love with your captor. But you know, when you're talking serial killer, that's, that's pretty heavy. How did you come up with that? (laughs) You know, I have no idea. (laughs) 
it was just, I was finishing up um, writing the, I wrote the books out of order. I wrote Hunt the Dawn, then Race the Darkness. And so I was finishing up Race the Darkness and was just, it just came into my mind to write what Saving Mercy was, the son of a serial killer falling in love with his father's only surviving victim. It just hit that, that quickly and that easily, just that, almost that line. Right. And came to mind and I just had to build everything kind of from that. You know, that's an interesting thing. I, I, I think it happens to m- most of us. Uh, who write that we'll be in the middle of a story and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden we get an idea and it's writing itself. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, oh, I just have to put this down on paper. I have to put this down on paper now. I presume that was this case in regard to Saving Mercy. Yeah. it was, And it was weird because, like I said, I was just finishing up the last one and I needed to concentrate because I was on deadline, had to get it done. And <laughs> it was just like, oh, I don't have time for this other story yet. But, oh, I just want to see where that's going to go. And yeah, so wow. that's where it went. Well, um, I can't wait to get it in my hands myself and <laughs> and be scared like everybody else who's going to read it. <laughs> well, and you know what's funny? I had uh, a reader who just has loved the first two and she got Saving Mercy and she messaged me and said, I, I know you, because I sent it to her and she said, I started reading it, but I had to put it down. Mm. And I was like, afraid to ask why. Because <laughs> she loved the first two. And I was like, oh, no, did this one disappoint you? And I didn't want to say anything. So I just didn't say anything. Then she messaged me a week later. And she said, well, I'll tell you why I put it down. Because there's blood in this book. And she said that one of her friends had had to clean up a bloody mess. Like mm. her boyfriend got murdered. Oh. And so she went over and was helping her friend clean this up. And she said the blood... And the way I described it in Saving Mercy was so accurate. She just couldn't read it for a moment. Oh, wow. Because it was too much like real life. And I was like, wow, my imagination did a good job there, I guess. Right, right. You're gorier than you thought you were. <laughs> yeah, and more accurate with that gory, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I also want to ask you a question. I know that your background is as a mental health counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how have your insights as a therapist helped you in character development and and for that matter, how has it helped you with your plotting? You know, with plotting, I don't think it really has done much because I'm a pantser and it just, I, when I try to plot, I have such a hard time. And it, every time I've sat down and plotted, it's everything I plotted ended up not happening. So I really, I think I'm more into the character end of things. And I think the being a mental health therapist I think it's really helped me see why people are motivated to do things or not do things. And I think that is kind of what I bring to this. I I think I really know how to motivate a character. They can do some crazy crap, but it makes sense when you have, when you know their background and why they're the way they are and their history and all of that. And I think that's what being a counselor has really given me is that ability to just really accurately motivate, you know, because <laughs> some of my characters do some really crazy, weird things and things that you would just think, what? She did what? But when you know the background, it sort of makes sense why they would do it. So, right. And so, so you would also, I mean, I'm sure you've, as a counselor, you've run across people and you, you've, you know, kind of felt like shaking them and saying, why would you do that? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, so, so, you I know, I've actually asked the question, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure they've come up with their own emotional, you know, feelings as to mm-hmm. why they went left instead of right, or right, why yeah. they did the right thing instead of the wrong thing or the wrong thing instead of the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine when you go deep into your characters, you're doing the same thing, you know? Yeah. So even if your character isn't, for example, your heroine, you know, or maybe she takes a wrong turn. But the thing is, I would think that you've got a wealth of knowledge there that a lot of writers don't have just because of your background. Yeah, I kind of feel like I'm sort of lucky in that because nobody, in a lot of reviews, like nobody really says anything about, you know, like my characters not being fully developed. They are, I mean, I think they're, they're just... I don't know. It's probably just seeing people all day, every day, you know, and hearing their stories and everybody's story is so different. And even though sometimes circumstances are the same, everybody handles the circumstance different. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's, I have a fascinating job. I love what I do. It's like, I get to sit and hear people's stories all day long. Right. You know, it's sometimes it's like a soap opera. I almost can't wait till they come in to tell me, oh my gosh, what happened? You know? <laughs> so it's, I don't know, it's, I think I am lucky, very lucky that I, that I have, uh, I have this job and can see, I try to look at my characters almost like I'm their counselor in a way, you know, to really get at that motivation. Well, and also the beauty part of what you do as a writer is you can write them happily ever after. I know. You know, you can't do that with your, uh, you know, your patients, essentially. You know, that is so true. And it's, you know, it's funny because I am like Miss Brightside. I always look the bright side of things with clients and I work really hard to teach them, you know, how to find a lesson and learn from bad experiences and, and all that. And yet I write this really dark stuff where terrible things happen to my characters but I think I can do that because I know that in the end that they are going to have found their true love and they're going to have this wonderful happily ever after and every horrible terrible thing that happened to them you know is going to be worth it for this great love they got and I really 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 wish that all my clients could have that kind of happily ever after some of them do some of them really do. And it's sad, the ones that don't. It's like, let me just rewrite the end of your story. You know? Right, right. You can, I'll just make this better. You, know, you can channel your frustration through your characters, which is always yeah. great. Yeah. Um, so, so what book will come out after Saving Mercy? I presume you're working on something now or you have already, you know, you're in edits or whatever. But, you know, people will always want to know what's next. What's next is book three in the Fatal Dream series. It would be after Hunt the Dawn. Ooh. Um, yeah. And it's um, in with the editor. And she just got back with me with some, like, um, uh, just some surface edits. Not even really, I don't think, like, the deep edits yet. So just a few things she wanted me to change. Then I'll be turning that back in by January. And um, we'll see what what happens after I know it's coming out in December. I don't have a date yet. Right. But, um, and it'll be, if anybody's read hunt the dawn, it'll be Thomas's story. And that's Ebony's brother. And I don't think he comes across that great in hunt the dawn. He doesn't seem like, 
he's not mean. He's just not maybe as supportive as he could be. But I think in the book that's coming out, it's tentatively titled Shatter the Night. Ah, I like um, the title. Yeah, it's, it's not, you know how publishers are. They can definitely change it. Um, but I think that people will understand why he's been the way he was. So Right. And in, in essence, you're getting into his backstory. Now he has a chance to prove himself as a character, right. to redeem right. himself for what for whatever, you know, crap you throw his way. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. I'm really I'm really excited about that. This that shot of the night. I'm it'll be very interesting because my heroine's a little bit different than the other ones I've written. She's getting out of prison for murder. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about her. Right. She's got a very, also very deep, tragic backstory, mm-hmm. I presume. And that's going to play, play out yeah. tremendously in how you put them together. Right. And you know what's weird is I usually feel like it's easier to write from the male when I'm in the male point of view, mm-hmm. that just comes so much more naturally than the female point of view. And in Shattering the Night, that's the first one where her point of view came easier than his. I think mm-hmm. that if you have insight into the opposite sex, you can do so. And obviously mm-hmm. with your training and background, you have uh, an even greater edge in, in doing so. Mm-hmm. But also we, we, we are many people inside of us and we channel a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I had a, I entered, I think it was race the darkness in a contest mm. and I entered it a bunch of contests, but I got this comment back multiple times that I suspect you're a male writer. Oh, <laughs> wow. Ooh, wow. I've done good there. Do you think I'm a dude? That's awesome. Right, right. Wait, yeah. Wait till they meet you. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Like, it's like a whole other thing. It's like, ooh, wow, she did well. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, that is like the best compliment. <laughs> Want to hear more about the authors who will be attending the Barbara Bay Reader Appreciation Weekend? Just go to my website, authorprovocateur.com. And click on to the other interviews. You'll also find them on the event's Facebook page. And beneath each interview, feel free to leave a comment about your favorite part of it. Doing so puts you in the running for a bundle of the author's books. Listeners can leave one comment per author to be entered for the drawing. This is Josie Brown of Author Provocateur, signing off.